we're going to get to our series now in, in Devoted. So we're, we're, we're taking three weeks to focus on the core values of our church, the core values of our church. Um, and we, we uh, titled this Devoted as we think about the book of Acts and what the early disciples devoted themselves to. Have you ever thought to yourself, you know, what is the purpose of church, right? Or what is the purpose of being a Christian? Like, what are you supposed to do as a Christian? Okay, I believe in Jesus. What am I supposed to do? Or, right, I'm a part of a church. I attend a religious service, but what am I supposed to do? Like, what is the purpose of it? Right, some people see church as a way, you know, just to build positive moral values in a family. And so the reason they send their, their kids to church or to go to church is for just positive moral values. Right? Other people go to church because uh, it's, a, it's a social event for them. That's where the majority of their close friends are. And so because of that, they go to church in order to socialize and be amongst friends. So maybe you've thought that, right? What is the purpose of church? Like, Why do we gather? If it's only to just study the Bible, can't a person say, you know what? I can just listen to podcasts on my own. I can read my Bible at my house. I don't have to drive out and be in a location where, where other Christians are. I can just read and study the Bible on my own, right? Online resources, there's plentiful nowadays. So why do we need to gather together with other Christians? What is the purpose of that? And so what we're going to be doing is, is answering those questions through looking at the first century church, or the church that the apostles of Jesus were a part of, the church where the Spirit of God was moving powerfully through it, where they were performing miracles, where they were reaching many people for the gospel. It was a church where the Spirit of God was actively working. So we're going to be looking at the early church, and then focusing on what did they devote themselves to so that we too can devote ourselves to those same things that the early church did. Acts 2.42 gives us a picture of what the early church did and what they considered to be, in a sense, valuable in their church. Acts 2.42 reads, and they, right, this is the church, the early church, the first century church, devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship to the breaking of bread and the prayers. Right, when we think about the word devoted, right, it's not a casual thing that you do. Right? It's not like a hobby that you pick up, do it for a while, and then, ah, you know, like I kind of got tired of that hobby, I'll try something else. Right? Devoted is a word of commitment. It's a word that means, right, no matter what, I'm going to do this. Even if it's hard, even if it's inconvenient, and even if it's costly, I'm devoted to practice these things. And so these next three weeks, we're going to be focusing on, okay, what did this early church devote themselves to so that we can apply it to our lives? And, th and, and what we did as a church is we made these things that the, the, the apostles devoted themselves to as our core values as a church. Right, core values... It's something that, you know, churches or business will, will say, or organizations will say, this is what ultimately we value, right? All these other things could be either thrown away or left behind or changed, but a core value is not changed, can't be left behind, can't be thrown away. 
it's core. It, it, it's vital. And so we made the core values what the early first century church devoted themselves to. And today we're going to focus on the first, which is the apostles' teaching. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. Now the question would be, okay, what is the apostles' teaching? Well, you, if you were just were to read Acts chapter 2, you read right before that, Peter gives a sermon. And basically, his sermon is about the gospel. It's the gospel. It is the good news of how God right, has made a way for sinners to be reconciled to him through the life, death, resurrection of Jesus Christ. That's the good news. The good news is what God has done in opening up the way for sinners to come home. And the early church, the disciples, they devoted themselves to the gospel. Now, but when you hear that, you know, we might think, oh, so they just memorized the four spiritual laws. You know, uh, four spiritual laws? Right, the gospel points. So I just need to memorize gospel points. No, it's more than that, right? It's, it's understanding the gospel and then living out the implications of the gospel. And that's what we're going to be thinking about this afternoon. Not only what the gospel is, but what does that then mean for how we live our lives? How does that inform... How does the gospel inform how I view myself and then how I live out my life? Tim Keller said this, right? right? The, gospel is, the gospel is not just the ABCs and then you go on to other alphabets. But the gospel is the entire alphabet system by which you understand life. And that's why we as a church, we call ourselves gospel-centered church, which basically means right, we, we want the gospel to affect every aspect of our lives, how we view ourselves, how we view others. The gospel isn't just a message we attach at the end of a message, a sermon. Right? It should permeate all of life and practice. So then, what we're going to be doing today is we're going to be looking at Ephesians chapter 1. Right? A beautiful chapter that Paul writes on the gospel and the riches that we have in it. And so let's go to Ephesians chapter 1, starting with verse 3. And as we read, I want us to take note of all the times that, that Paul will put that prepositional phrase, in Christ. We're going to see that a lot in this chapter. Right? And what, what he's showing us is that we only have the riches of God through the gospel in Christ, being in Christ. Let's start with verse 3 reads, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places, even as he chose us in him, in Christ, before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before him. Let's stop right there, right? As we Think about right, the riches of Christ. And I could just see Paul as he's writing this letter, so excited to share with other Christians all the riches that they have in Christ. The first is this, right? Because of the gospel, right? The gospel is about God choosing us. God chooses. And that is good news. Back in verse 4. He chose us. Now the question is when, right? In him, 
before the foundation of the world. Now, that's fascinating, right? Think about how human beings choose each other, right? How we choose. Like, for example, in sports, right? A scout would, you know, for college, would, would, would look at a player, a potential athlete in high school, and would choose, right, to reach out to that athlete based upon his or her performances. Think about for, for, for college, for school. Schools will choose to accept people applying to that college based upon their application and resume. Think about when it comes to, you know, applying for a job, right? That employer, when we applied for a job, will look at our background, our credentials, our you know, different information that we give them and interview us, right, in order to decide if they're going to choose us to, be a, to, to work for their organization, right? When human beings choose, it's based upon the, um, the performance of that individual. But if we look at Ephesians, right, and what Paul's saying here is God chose us not after our performance as individuals. He chose us before the foundation of the world. And what that means is God's decision to bring us into his family has nothing to do with us and has everything to do with him. His decision, his will had nothing to do with our will. And that is good news, right? Because if God were to look at our lives and choose us based upon how we would live, right? even as a Christian, how we would live and still mess up, man, I wouldn't be chosen. Right? Because his standards are perfection. He chose us not because of anything we have done. He chose us before we were even born to be a part of his kingdom. And so what that means for us in practical application Right, is that we are fully accepted by God. We have all the acceptance that we need. And this is how it helps us in everyday life. Right? It helps us from not being people pleasers. Right? Because a lot of times we will bend to people's desires. We will change how we act. We will change how we speak. We will change maybe even how we dress in order to get someone else Maybe it's uh, someone in our workplace. Maybe it's a friend. Maybe it's uh, even a family member. Right? For them to accept us. Right? It's not only a problem we have in high school. Right? In high school, right, we struggle with being accepted by, by, by people. So we try to be cool. We try to talk cool. We try to dress cool. Right? When we became adults, for those of us who are adults, right, kids, you probably struggle with this. Right? But when we become an adult, that temptation does not leave us. We just change how we try to be accepted by other people. We may even lower our standards and compromise in order for someone to, uh, in order to be accepted by somebody that, that we want to feel accepted by. Right? Maybe for some of us, right, we are just not comfortable or we are uncomfortable in our own skin, how we look physically, our ethnic background, right? and we're just, we feel uncomfortable in certain circumstances because of our, our, our background our ethnicity, right? And we'll change the way we act in order to fit in, right? In order to people please. But the, the good news is, right, we, we don't need the acceptance of other people anymore. Where we have all the acceptance we need by a God who chose us before we were even born. And because of that, that, that frees us to live 
comfortably in our own skin. Right? Isn't that a great feeling to have? To not feel like we need to change in order for somebody else to accept us. But because we're fully accepted by God, we can live freely before other people and, and not fearing that they'll accept us or reject us. We don't have to lower our standards and compromise because we're not trying to get somebody to accept us. It frees us from the fear of other people and from having to please them. And that is good news, right? Because we are fully accepted by God. Because God chooses. Second, and this is connected, right? We are chosen for family. God adopts, right? In the gospel, God adopts. Let's read verse 5 and 6. It reads, In love, he predestined us for adoption to himself as sons through Jesus Christ. Right, now in on this culture, right, the, the, the sons would be the ones to, to receive the inheritance. And what so Paul's saying here is that right, both men and women, male and female, adopted to God's family, have the inheritance. And we're going to get to that. Right? But that, that's why he's using sons, right? speaking culturally in, the, in, in this era. For adoption to himself as sons through Jesus Christ, according to the purpose of his will, to the praise of his glorious grace, with which he has blessed us in in Christ, in the Beloved. So in the Gospel, God is the one who adopts. He adopts us into His family. Right, so we saw that because God chooses, we are fully accepted. Because God adopts, we always belong. We always belong. Have you ever felt like you don't belong? Right? We, we can feel that way in a lot of different contexts. Right, some of us may have felt like we never really belong to our biological families, right? just for some, some reason, with our parents or with our siblings. We just always felt like the, the black sheep, right, the outcast. Others of us, right, maybe we felt like we don't belong in the workplace where we work, and so we're, you know, we even will try to find another job because we feel like we don't fit in at the workplace. We can even at times feel like we don't belong in places of fellowship, right? Even in a church congregation, we can feel like we don't belong, right? Even though that's not supposed to be the way that God's family, right, should operate. But people feel that way. But regardless of how we feel, regardless of what we think, here we read that we are a part of God's family if we're in Christ that we have been adopted into the family of God, and because of that, we belong to Him. We belong to Him. And that is good news. See, people belong to different groups for different reasons. Right? Some people will belong to different groups based upon just uh, biologically. Right? They're just related, and they have their group that they always stay with. Other people belong to organizations or hobbies, and so that's their tribe that they always run with. Other people group themselves politically, right, and they'll only stay within that tribe politically. Other people group themselves on different kind of values or preferences, and they'll only, again, they'll, they'll only stay within that, right, and, and they kind of keep themselves out from the outside world. But the gospel is different, right? 
in, in, in the gospel. Right? We are brought together and adopted into God's family, and we want to bring as many people into the family as possible right? through faith in, in Christ. And what that means for us, because we belong, right? and that's connected to being accepted, isn't it? Right? Because we belong, right? our desire then is for other people to belong as well. Because the gospel is free to all. Whereas John 3.16 tells us, for whosoever believes in him. Right? The gospel is wide. The invitation to all. Right? That, that, that means that, that we want other people, no matter their background, no matter their situation, to come to know Christ, to come to belong in the family of God. There is security and comfort knowing that we belong somewhere. And here it's to the family of God. Because of the gospel, we belong because of it, we are forgiven. Let's read verse 7 through 10. It reads, In Him we have redemption. We've been set free from sin through His blood. The forgiveness of our trespasses according to the riches of His grace which he lavished upon us in all wisdom and insight, making known to us the mystery of his will according to his purpose, which he set forth in Christ as a plan for the fullness of time to unite all things, things in heaven and things on earth. Right? God's plan, this mystery of, of uniting all things, right? bringing about the redemption of the world through Christ, uniting both Jew and Gentile as one people under the banner of Jesus, through faith in Him. In the Gospel, God forgives. God forgives. He forgives every single sin, past, present, and future. Right? When, when Paul says in verse 7, the forgiveness of our trespasses, he doesn't say only up to a certain time, but it's, it's fully. It's fully, according to the riches of His grace riches of his grace. Because we have been fully forgiven, we no longer have to feel dirty and apart from God. Right? Because even as followers of Jesus, there are times where we can feel dirty. We can feel like we've, we've messed up and somehow God no longer wants anything to do with us. Maybe we've had people in our lives that have pushed us to the side because of things that we have done and then we kind of project our image of, of, of them upon God, as if God does the same thing. But he doesn't, right? God fully forgives. And what that means is that all of our sin has been paid for by Christ. It would be wrong for God to push us away because Jesus has fully paid the price for our sins. And that is good news because anytime we feel dirty, we feel unclean, anytime we feel like we cannot go to God because we didn't live up to his standards this week or because we uh, blew up at our friend or we blew up at our family member and we feel really bad about it. We feel like, okay, God doesn't want anything to do with me right now. I need to, you know, make it up by doing certain good deeds in order for him to, me to feel clean again, right? The good news is all those things is not from God, right? If those thoughts come to our mind that we somehow have to make up our cleanliness, or we somehow have to do good deeds in order to be accepted by God again, right? that is not God speaking. How do we know that? It's because God's Word teaches us that we have been redeemed. We have been forgiven. 
So anytime we feel dirty and can't go to God, do the opposite, right? Go to God, because that's exactly what he wants us to do. Satan would not want us to worship God and make us think that our dirtiness or our sin or uncleanness stops us. But God says, come to him. Draw near to him. Even in our struggles, in our sin, as his children, we run to God with him. Right? And I kind of use this illustration often, but think about it like as, a, as a parent. Right? If, if, if we had a child and they're, they're struggling, they're having a hard time, right? everything in us would want them to come to us for help. Right? We would hate if they were to think that they have to figure things out on their own and then come to us, right? right? Because we, we want to help them. How much more the perfect father who wants us to come to him in any and every struggle that we go through. And that's good news, right? That we have been forgiven. Fourth, right, in the gospel, God gives us an inheritance. He gives us his inheritance. Because we've been adopted to his family, because God is king, we have the inheritance of the king. Let's read verse 11 and 12. In him we have obtained an inheritance, having been predestined according to the purpose of him who works all things according to the counsel of his will, so that we who were the first to hope in Christ might be to the praise of his glory. Right, we have an inheritance of God. In the Bible, we learn that God gives his people not a bank account, not a house, but the new heavens and the new earth. Incredible, right? That is our inheritance. Our ultimate inheritance is God himself. We have God. We will be with Jesus forever. Think about how big of a deal an inheritance is, right? And maybe we experienced it. Right? Maybe we experienced just how, uh, how messy our families can get when the topic of an inheritance comes, right? Maybe we had a family that was really tight, really close, and then, right, someone passes away in the family, and then there's the inheritance. And boom, the family just exploded, right? As we see maybe greed just rear its ugly head as family members fight and scrap for every last dollar, every last piece of property and possession from the one who passed away, right? Maybe there wasn't some kind of will that was clear, right? Inheritance can be, the topic of inheritance can be really messy. I was reading uh, last, last month a family in Florida where a woman was kind of getting older and she was being transferred to an assisted living center. And so when she got there, some family members of her family members went to her vacation beach rental home in Florida and they got into a fight and shots were fired. Family members over, right, this woman's home that they were hoping to inherit and she didn't even pass away yet. Right, family with guns firing at each other over a house, a house, right? People will fight and claw and be mean and burn bridges and families over in inheritance that won't last very long, right? Think about our earthly inheritance. It'll last a few years, maybe a few decades, right? Money will eventually be spent. Property will eventually be given to somebody else. Possessions, right? We're not going to enjoy them for eternity. They're going to be handed over 
to some, someone else or they'll break down and be thrown away. Earthly inheritance won't last long and yet people will fight over it. The good news is we don't have this type of temporary inheritance to look forward to. We have an eternal inheritance, the new heavens and the new earth. And so we don't have to worry about whether our inheritance will be stolen or it will break down, whether it will run out. We have an inheritance that will last for eternity. And so that frees us to not live for greed. It frees us to not have to claw for every possession in this life. <coughs> it enables us to be generous to others because we know we have an inheritance that can never be taken away. And that's through the gospel. Finally, in the gospel, we have security. We have security. Let's read verses 13 and verses 14. Again, here's that phrase, in him. You also, when you heard the word of truth, what is the word of truth? It is the gospel, the good news of your salvation, and believed in him, were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit, who is the guarantee of our inheritance until we acquire possession to it, to the praise of his glory in order that we would feel totally secure, in order that we would know that we have God, that we have an inheritance that will never be taken away. God didn't give us some money. He didn't give us a piece of paper that promised, like a will. God gave us himself. He gave the Holy Spirit, right, the third person in the Trinity, as the proof that we will, we do have this inheritance. It is a guarantee of what is to come because God wants us to feel secure in him. He doesn't want us to be insecure. Think about just all the different ways we hear about insecurity nowadays. Right? There's food insecurity. Right? And you hear that a lot living in Hawaii. Right? Not just shipping delays or rising prices, right? And just things being uh, just not having a lot of things on the shelves these days, but also the fact that we live on an island away from everybody else, and we import, I think it's about 80% of our goods, right? We're one natural disaster away from being super, super insecure, right? So we can feel really insecure with food insecurity. And then there's financial insecurity, right? We don't know when inflation's going to stop, right? And so many of us are just maybe worried financially and, and don't feel secure there, right? Some of us are hopes in the stock market, Right? It goes up and it goes down, and, and recently right, it, it's just going down. And so there's a, just a feeling of a lot of insecurity for not just now, but our future. There's so many things we hear about in the world right, that makes us feel really insecure. But here's where we can experience total security. right? It's in our inheritance in, in heaven. God wants us to be secure in the eternal life that he has given us. And the proof that, that he wants us to feel secure is he himself lives in every one of his people. He lives in us. The Holy Spirit of God dwells in his people in order to empower us and to give us security. Right? He doesn't want us to, to be like a, a child living in an unhealthy home who never knows if they're going to be kicked out of that house 
who never knows, right, where that parent might stay or might go. He doesn't want us to feel that way. He wants us to feel completely secure. And to, to, to prove that, he has chosen to live in us and to never abandon us, to never disown us, to always be with us. And so because of that, we never have to feel fear, rejection. We can always be assured and never doubt that God loves us and that God receives us because he has chosen to dwell within us. That is good news. Right? We no longer have to be insecure about whether we're loved, whether we're accepted, what our future holds. We can be totally secure in the love of God by the Holy Spirit that, that lives in us. And so because of that, because of all these riches that we have in the gospel, that then frees us to serve others. It frees us to build up one another in community. It frees us to go out and share the love of Christ with other people because we want them to experience the riches of the gospel. And so that's what we're going to be doing the next couple of weeks. We're going to be spending our time focusing on, on the church community and the mission of God to bring the gospel to people who don't yet know him. And we'll be unpacking that the next couple of weeks. But let's spend time now, as we have been just sitting in Ephesians 1 and just hearing about all these riches that we have in Jesus, we're going to spend time just celebrating and praising God for all that we have in, in Christ. And one way we do that is through taking communion. Communion is a reminder of what Jesus has done for us so that we can experience these riches. Right? We, we take communion to remind ourselves of Christ's death on the cross for us. He gave his body, he shed his blood, and we remember that through, through taking the cracker and drinking the juice, and that's available on the back table, on the back of this room. And you're welcome to, to, to grab that during our time of, of singing where we celebrate the good news of Christ. A second way that we, we worship God and we celebrate it is by sharing this gospel through the local church, through equipping, building up believers, and then bringing the gospel to, uh, to others through the local church. And one, one way, one avenue you can do that is through financial giving. You can do that on our website at harbornewwano.org. So let's go ahead. We're going to celebrate the gospel of Jesus together. We're going to pray for us. Father, we thank you for all that we have in Christ. And we pray we would just spend time today, this week, the rest of our lives just marinating in the gospel, reminding ourselves of what we have in Christ and living out this gospel and having it affect all the different areas of our lives and our relationships. Thank you, Lord, for choosing us, for adopting us, for forgiving us for securing us and, and giving us an inheritance that will never fade or spoil or rust or be stolen, but it is reserved in heaven for us. And so we, we rest in what Jesus has done for us, in his death and in his resurrection. And we pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. So I want to invite us as we uh, respond now to the good news to take communion, to sing. Uh, so let's go ahead and do that. You're welcome to stand and continue sitting as we celebrate the love of Jesus. Mm -hmm.